Great to have you with us, friends, for our podcast, Building Lives, a ministry of Eckerd Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Matt Eichhorn, and I'm glad that you've joined us in our series, The Road to Spiritual Success. Spiritual success does not happen overnight. It takes time. It takes effort. Like going on vacation. It may be that you and your family have to drive six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours to get to your destination. And sometimes you wonder why you're driving. Is it really worth it? But once you get to your destination, you realize this has been well worth it. Spiritual success is being steadfast in getting to where you want to go. As you reflect on your own life as a Christian, can you see progress in your spiritual life? Can you look back on your life and see the road you have traveled? By way of our series, we focused on several different components for spiritual success. We started by talking about the need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Then we looked at some evidence of that relationship with Christ. We call those indicator lights, genuine salvation, spiritual fruit, pursuing godly desires. I want us to look at another indicator light, and that is loving Jesus. If I want to be spiritually successful, then I must be willing to love Christ. Now, this is more than just a, yes, I love you. I'm talking about our actions, our attitude, our level of commitment, our investments, our testimony, those things that will give evidence of my love for Christ. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, Luke gives us an account of opposites. For example, if I said black, you'd say white. If I said good, you'd say bad. Summer, winter. Well, in this passage, Luke puts together the worst of sinners with the holiest of holies. Here's the difference. The worst of sinners demonstrated a love for Jesus while the holiest of holies, that is the religious zealots, the Pharisees, a particular Pharisee by the name of Simon, lacked a genuine love for Jesus. There's a tremendous difference between authentic love and religious actions. The road to spiritual success means loving Christ. Let's look at these opposites in this passage in the Gospel of Luke. We're introduced to a woman. We're simply going to call her the woman. She's a sinner. She's a social outcast. We do not know the name of this woman. Some speculate that it was Mary, but we do not know that she had a, a specific relationship with anybody in the community other than she was this woman who was a sinner. Now, we do know that she had a reputation within the community. Now, the word that Luke uses here for sinner is the word that literally means devoted to sin, not free from sin preeminently sinful, especially wicked. That's the word that he's using here. Now, many believe that this woman to be a prostitute or one with very loose morals. So we get this idea of who she is without a name. The woman's love for Christ was authentic regardless of the environment she was in. In Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 37, we read these words, And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, there's that word, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Now, it's likely that somewhere along the way, this woman had heard the message of Jesus and had given her heart to him. 
She may have finally caught up with him that he was in town, and and she took advantage of this opportunity to show him her love and her gratitude for the life-changing moment in her life. And now she comes to him. Jesus was not embarrassed, nor was he uncomfortable with this woman who was a sinner, who had a reputation, as she comes to him in this house. He's not annoyed with her. He accepts her for who she was. The woman's love for Christ was authentic, regardless of the skepticism of the others. In verse 38 in chapter 7, as I continue to read, And stood at his feet, that is the woman, stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now understand, in this culture, it's not like maybe in your home, and your dining room table, your kitchen table, where your family gathers around and everybody sits in their own chair and, and you eat and you pass the dishes so that everybody can get a portion of what's being served. In this culture, there's the table that's literally almost on the floor, if you will. And the people sitting around it were leaning on an elbow with close to the table, but their feet are extended away from the table. And so as they are there, they can reach onto the table and get an item off of a particular dish. And so this woman is comes into this house. She's standing at his feet, Jesus' feet, and she begins to weep and uh, anoint his head and wash his feet with her hair and this fragrant oil that she uses. And the tears, which, which come very involuntary, just pour down as a flood upon his feet. And as she bends down and kisses his feet, she proceeds then to anoint his feet with this oil, which was usually accustomed to anoint the head. But this woman apparently felt unworthy to anoint her Lord's head. So she simply is there in worship of who he is. Is your love for Christ inhibited? by your environment, or by others? Christ's amazing grace should motivate me, like nothing else, to live out my life in unique and, when necessary, courageous ways that express my deep affection and honor and love for Him. Is your love for Christ stymied when you're around your co-workers? Is your love for Christ tucked away when you're out in public? Is your love for Christ circumstantial? In other words, do you only express your love for Christ when the surroundings and the spectators are on your side, so to speak? For this woman, who had a reputation, who was named a sinner, that's how we know her, she's simply a sinner, she hears that Jesus is in town, he's at the home of a Pharisee, she just walks in, and begins to just worship and demonstrate her love for her Savior. The environment, the spectators, the audience, her surroundings, they did not prohibit her from showing her love for Christ. That's one example. But then there's this other example in the same passage, and we're introduced to a Pharisee by the name of Simon. Simon is religiously popular. I mean, he is a Pharisee, so he's well-respected for his religious knowledge and religious practices. 
And Simon demonstrated his willingness to to publicly be identified with Jesus. Now, we're not sure of his motive. We don't know if he truly believed in Jesus for the Messiah. We don't know if he just wanted to check Jesus out. And we don't know if he was made up in his mind and he just needed more evidence to support his presupposition. But in Luke chapter 7, verse 36... It says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he, that is Jesus, went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Now, this verse is prior to the verses I've already read about the woman. I started with this woman, the sinner. Now I'm going back and hitting this Pharisee, this Simon, whose house this is all taking place in. Now, Simon would have been obliged. He would have been proud to have the honor of hosting the most talked about person in town. This would have drawn a large crowd outside of his home. Many would have gathered, particularly the proud Pharisees, to witness and to observe this occasion. You know, Christians can be good actors, can't we? We know how to play the part. We know how to act the right way, dress the proper way, say the right things. We can look good on the outside while our hearts are cluttered with sin. Oftentimes, people come to church and we gather together for worship. Uh, People who are famous, if you will, in the Christian community around our nation. And then they go to social media and they post very inappropriate things. It causes one to sit back and recognize and realize and consider, now, they claim to be this, but why would they do this? Or why would they say this? Or why would they post this? Christians can be good actors. Simon expressed the prejudices and the self-centeredness of his heart. As we come back to this passage in Luke chapter 7, verse 39. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner." Simon is sitting there observing all of this. It's his house. He's the host. Jesus is there. There's a crowd around, inside and outside, looking through the windows. This woman comes in and begins to worship him. This woman is a sinner. And Simon the Pharisee, who invited Jesus into his house, he says to himself, this man, Jesus, if he were a prophet, if he were truly of God, he would know who this woman is. He would know who is touching him, for she is a sinner. See, Simon is expressing the the prejudices and the self-centeredness of his heart. He's basically concluding that the Lord knew nothing of this woman, and because he knew nothing of this woman, he could not have been from God. This was confirmation for Simon, that Jesus, he was not a prophet. He did not qualify and meet the status of his fellow Pharisees. He didn't have a clue as to who she was. She's a sinner, and yet he just lets her go. Then Jesus, in chapter 7, beginning in verse 40 through 43, gives a simple story. He says in verse 40, And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. 
There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. So here are these two debtors. By our standards today, one owes 50,000, one owes 5,000. The one who is owed the money just forgives both of them. The creditor just cancels both debts. Both debtors were now free of obligation and could go on with their lives. But Jesus, his question to Simon is about the heart. It's about not about the law, it's about the heart. Who would love the most? And Simon reluctantly gave his obvious answer. Now, Jesus makes a relevant application in verse 44 through 46, because Simon's heart, his inner motive is exposed. Jesus says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. A guest, especially a teacher, comes into somebody's house. You treat them with great respect. You give them water to wash their feet. You wash their feet. You greet them with a kiss. You anoint their head out of respect and reverence for who they are. So this would have been a serious insult to any guest, let alone the Lord Jesus Christ. Simon did not consider himself a sinner. Therefore, he had no need for forgiveness, and consequently, he felt no love for Jesus. Spiritually speaking, Simon was displaying pride, hypocrisy, a judgmental attitude, self-righteousness, a coldness, a lack of generosity as a host, a lack of compassion for this woman. Simon did what you and I usually do. We compare ourselves with other people whose sins are blatant and offensive. The prostitute, the homosexual, the thief, the rapist, the murderer, the one addicted to pornography, the drug dealer. And of course, when we compare ourselves to them, we look pretty good. But that is because we are comparing on a horizontal basis. Friends, the road to spiritual success involves loving Jesus. My question for you today is, Is your love for Jesus more like the prostitute, the sinful woman, or the life of the Pharisee? Like the woman, the social outcast, but who demonstrated love and worship for Jesus? Or the Pharisee, a religious person outwardly, but demonstrates a love that is far from Christ? Thanks for listening in, folks. I hope you'll join us next time on our podcast. God bless.